When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome back to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Here's why you should tune into today's episode. Are NFTs dead? Well, that's the million-dollar question. We'll do a deep dive into the world of non-fungible tokens, the latest news, trends, and all the important questions. Is this the floor, or is the winter only about to bite? We'll discuss this with Chris Mathern, the CEO of Floor. He will join us live later on, and as always, we'll distill the interview down into key takeaways at the end, so stay tuned for that. I'm Paul Guerra, and with me today, the resident NFT guru, more like a paper-handed guru nowadays, Elaine Lee is with me. How's it going, Elaine? Unbelievable, Paul. You should be lucky that we have a screen apart. Look, Paul, everyone is looking for violence with me this GM. I don't know if you have been keeping up with my Real Vision NFT saga mm -hmm. for the people who are watching, but... I would like to make a public announcement that Please I, that I, Elaine Lee, also known as Bagloader on our Discord, is back in the game. Okay, sometimes stuff just falls out when you overload it, Paul. Okay, so here, look, take a look at my real vision NFT. So look, I basically Ooh. sold the NFT. <laughs> I sold the NFT that Real Vision gave me the ability to mint. Look. I go to work, I do Zoom, zone out through all these Zoom meetings, right? I knew what we were building, but I didn't know that we were advancing that fast. Look, when I got that NFT, I managed to make a whole ETH during the time. But when we decide to drop a whole new Web3 portal and it's token gated, I was like, oh, crap, I need my NFT RV back for access. So I did buy back in just about managed to squeeze in there. But now, yes, 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 you laugh. I'm forever known as Elaine Lee, your Royal Highness, PHP, paper-handed <laughs> princess, all right? Well, number one, how dare you? And number two, you should update your Twitter profile to PHP from now on. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> okay, guys, so well, Let's go with this. Let's subscribe to Real Vision Crypto. As you know, it's free. And also a quick message to our viewers. While we upgrade our new platform on our website, our live chat feature is temporarily unavailable. So in the meantime, we are monitoring the comments in the comment section here down below. So please drop them. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, anything, drop down in the live box, in the chat. And if you're watching on YouTube, please smash that like button for the algorithm subscribe and don't forget to hit also the notification bell for future videos and content like this. So well, now let's jump right into the latest price action. And the total crypto market cap is just above 950 billion, Elaine. Once again, Bitcoin has dropped below $20,000 and its market dominance is just above 40%. In that sense, it has reached and failed to sustain that level multiple times in the past month. And this follows weaker than expected labor data in the United States. 
States, the job openings plunged by $1.1 million, million, sorry, in August, and the macro environment continues to be unfavorable, which makes it challenging for risk assets like crypto. However, some are speculating that a cooling off economy could force the Fed to pivot away from steep right hikes. So that's something that everyone's wondering. Is the Fed going to pivot? Well, we'll have to wait and see. Elaine, how's Ethereum performing? Just under a billion in market cap. Times have really have changed. Look, Paul, I'm a half mm. glass kind of full kind of girl. So how's Ethereum? Look, a similar story there um, over here at Paul. It's staying relatively stable, though it's dipped into the negative territory on a 24-hour basis in the past few hours. Still trading at just about 1,300. I'm also looking at Dogecoin. Look, the <laughs> Doge army is back out with a vengeance, Paul. Okay, the meme token is one of the best performers of the day. That's after Elon uh, Musk, Mr. Musk, made a, a total U-turn and confirmed, well, he's willing to go ahead and purchase Twitter after all. Well, yeah, the Doge father never ceases to amaze us, that's for sure. Thank you, Lane, for that story and everything about Ethereum. But now let's look at our top story today, which is Fidelity Investments is expanding its crypto offering for institutional investors. So what happened is that a filing to the SEC on Tuesday revealed that Fidelity's new Ethereum index fund was launched on September 26. And so far, it's attracted an investment of $5 million. The number of investors, you might be wondering, well, just one, really just one person. Clearly, there's an Ethereum optimist, a believer, someone who thinks it is going to go only but high. Elaine, what do you make of this? Yeah, slash ETH maxi, right, Paul? Look, I think yeah. any time when you hear a TradFi company dipping into crypto, that is a bullish sign that we should be reading because Fidelity is, look, is as TradFi as it gets. But it's also been very open to crypto for a few years now. And we know people at Fidelity, they get the assignment. Now, this fund is only available to institutional investors. The minimum to get in is 50,000 USD. Now, the first investor clearly had more than that and so far he or she is the only one at least at the time of the filing so look it hasn't been all smooth sailing for ETH right since the merge pool but despite like a whole transfer from proof of work to proof of state going into working smoothly without a hitch but you know we've got to pay a little bit of attention to the prices because the price is down around nine percent since the event but expanding institutional access could help right look paul i think this may be the big push or actually shall i say a push um a big push that the whole community really needs right now 100 percent. and actually speaking of fidelity um Yuri and timmer has great conversations with raul pal you can check them out for free on real vision crypto you'll find out more about probably this elaine so now let's get into our main theme today, which is NFTs. And before we dive into the interview with Chris, we have a few interesting stories to look at. And the first one is that, you know, comes all the way from Japan. Coindesk reported a speech from the Prime Minister Fumio Kishida, and he announced that Japan wants to invest in NFTs and metaverse services. It's a part of a broader drive for digital transformation in the country. So Elaine, you are the NFT guru here. What are your thoughts? Paper hands, girl, report. Nice attempt at the pronunciation of the prime minister's name. Look, 
I think Japan has this reputation for being a super techie country, right? But mm -hmm. it's still a place where lots of companies still use fax. Yes, the fax machine, Paul. I mean, not to mention lots of paperwork, lots of bureaucracy. But it appears that the prime minister wants to change that and make Japan live up to its international reputation. Growth has been sluggish for decades. So he's hoping that a digital transformation might be able to help with that. Now, our friends at Coindesk says that the country has been promoting digital investments. It has introduced tax incentives to stimulate the digital take-up. Okay, Kashida's administration recently also established a Web3 policy office. Imagine that. And that's under mm. the Ministry of Economy, Trade and Industry, which is focused on creating policies for a gradual blockchain expansion, just very much like other countries like Dubai. Um, so back in April, a leading Japanese politician called Web3 the new frontier of the digital economy in a white paper, NFT white paper. Um, but also Japan is you know, Japan is a place that is so rich in culture and obviously killer in the gaming industry, but hence why you see a lot of Japanese influence NFT projects doing so well. So it really makes sense to seize the digital ownership here that's right in front of them. Paul? That's right. And just we have Azuki as one example. It's really good. So here's another interesting story in this space. NFTs are obviously digital. Well, so far, you know, they live in the blockchain, but sometimes they begin their lives in the real world and give real life utility. And here's what we've got an example of a full circle, an idea that started on paper. Now it began as an NFT and now it's becoming actually a real life product. It's coming physical again. The Crypt reports crypto enthusiast and entrepreneur, one of the OGs in the hustle game, Gary Vaynerchuk, better known as Gary V, is turning his B friends creation into toys. They will be available at Macy's later this month. Elaine, this is a heartwarming one. Yeah, it's a good one. And Paul, you know what you're getting from Christmas for Christmas from me. Um, look, Ooh, good on V friend are giving me one. Well, I'll take it. There you go. We can put it in the just behind the little sofa that you have over your shoulder. But look, good for Gary. If anyone's going to take this over to the finishing line, it will be Mr. Gary V. Look, what was initially just cartoon drawings, right, that looked like it came from your five-year-old, became NFTs with $300 million worth of trading volume. Now, it's heading to Macy's and Toys R Us. Toys R Us is a legendary brand that went bankrupt, which Macy's now own. Ten toys, and they are promoted as limited edition, and they will go on sale on October the 17th. Now, Gary said in a press release that as a boyhood fan of Toys R Us, this means, and I quote, way more than you can imagine. Um, he also promised further expansion of his collection to other products. Um, Paul, were you in the Toys R Us uh, toy aisles when you were a kid? Well, actually, no, because I grew up in Ecuador. But when I went for tourism to New York, of course, I saw the giant shop and it was really fun. And, and speaking of, of Gary Vee and how he meant for him, I'm sure it is because he's being always very, you know, upfront and honest that he's a super uh, nostalgic guy. He's into nostalgia, all the things he loved as a kid. That's why he loves trading cards, you know, uh, old sports, especially football. So that's something that's happening for him. And I'm sure we'll keep hearing more news from B friends. Now, let's move to the next one actually, Elaine. Uh, according to the Financial Times, the UK gaming startup Improvable is closing on a $100 million valuation in its latest funding round. And it would have value improbable at more than $3 billion when it was actually valued back in 2018 at only $2.5 billion. And this is despite a loss of $170 million in 2021, according to the FT. So, Elaine, what else do we know? 
Well, Paul, I don't know much about Improbable, but I'm always behind uh, the Brits, of course, when they uh, want to dwell into the Web3 space. But I do know Improbable is, no Improbable is known for its cooperation with Yuga Labs, and they've been mm -hmm. developing Yuga's other side. So Improbable is backed by uh, SoftBank, to what I've read, but it was funded with $500 million by the Japanese bank in 2017. So, um, but it's been uh, burning crap, uh, <laughs> lost my words, but it's been burning cash ever since and has abandoned creating its own games. But it mm -hmm. seems that investor interest is still in the company, still remains high. Still remains high. And, you know, SoftBank is pretty, is, is known for taking these, you know, big bets and investments. They've been also known for investing into WeWork back in the day. So we'll see. And Yoga Labs, you know, they're winners. They have CryptoPunks. They have the board they have to have so many things. So I'm sure we'll keep hearing more from this. And, well, Elaine, this is everything we have today in terms of the news. So I'm going to hand it over to you for your, for your interview with Chris Mathern, the CEO of Floor. So I'll be back with the key takeaways later on. Have fun. Thanks, Paul. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Well, we have Chris Madden here with us today. He is the co-founder and CEO of, <laughs> CEO of Floor. Oh, Lord. The company behind the NFT Focus app. Welcome to the show, Chris. Now, you are listening to um, those stories. What are your thoughts? NFTs are dead, right? Yeah, totally dead. Uh, thank you for having me, Elaine. Excited to be here. Um, no, like we're definitely seeing a natural pullback. Uh, some stuff was getting a little bit crazy. Uh, we needed a little bit of a correction, but fundamentally the underlying principles of digital ownership that's provable being important, I think are more important than ever. And we're going to see new use cases evolve. Some of the art that exists today will remain valuable. Much of it won't. I think it was Gary Vaynerchuk who said 99% of stuff goes to zero. I broadly agree with that thesis. There's just an unsustainable amount of stuff that has no real value. However, the things that we know the name of, a lot of that stuff will become, I think, generational wealth items as their cultural relevance increases, as NFTs get more of a foothold in the everyday consumer life. Was it you who I saw on Twitter at Christie's this week? What happened there? Oh, yeah. So Christie's... Um, Christie's and Sotheby's actually both, uh, Christie's done a really good job of this, are uh, getting into NFTs in a big way. And so mm -hmm. both, Christie's, um, both Christie's and Sotheby's started selling NFTs. Christie's just launched their marketplace. Um, and so it was the launch party for um, a young artist who does um, moving video photography NFTs. They're actually super, super cool. Uh, Diana Sinclair is her name. And so it was a launch party, go see some of the art, meet the artist. Um, and just hang out with other people who are interested in NFTs. Fantastic, Chris. Look, um, it's there's no way of being around it. It's been a couple of rough months for NFTs. Um, and you touched on a little bit about this, but I do want to ask you, do you think we'll ever see a bull run? Or do you think, you know, like you said, 99 of these JPEGs are worthless? I think a lot of them will go away. I think uh, bear markets like this test uh, projects. And so 
what you'll see is some communities stick around and find intrinsic value and will grow out as new different things on the other side of this that will have value and enduring um, value for both the holders and the uh, kind of outside market to speculate on. And I think a lot of stuff will just go away because people will get tired of doing it and give up and move on. Um, I think there will always be a place for high valued art and community. Uh, I think it will be smaller for a while than it was last year. Like we got overly mm. exuberant by the ability to basically print money. I think it will eventually grow back to and beyond where it was last year, but it's possible that takes a couple of years. What we'll see is new compelling use cases that come out of the innovation that happens during this year that drive real interest from consumers that isn't just purely based on can I invent money and isn't products that are like all about being crypto, but rather use some of those unique properties that NFTs give us like provable ownership, uh, interoperable tradability to create products that actually either drive joy, help people be more aspirational versions of themselves or connect with other humans uh, in a way that's interesting and can be uniquely enabled by these technologies. Um, we know what some of them are. We don't know what others of them are. People are inventing right now. And that's what I love about this space. Ah, oh, Chris, I love how you mentioned some of the things about where the flow of direction. And that's really reassuring for someone like me who hold truckloads of JPEGs. Um, look, Chris, my, you're my a bags builder. Are big. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling it too. I like it. Big bags. Um, so, <laughs> Chris, look, you're a builder. You've worked with payment services like Venmo. I want to ask you, like, what have you seen over, um, you know, the past couple of uh, months that have will improve the whole experience with NFTs, right? Because you mentioned a little bit, it is really complicated for some of the things, right? Attach your Discord, attach your Twitter names. Like, I don't want to touch all that sometimes. But over the past couple of months, um, I think I guess what I want to ask you is, you know, have you seen how the industry has matured in any way? It's a good question. I think we're yeah. maturing. Um, <laughs> so products mature. And when I say mature, I mean, can talk to consumers in a way that they intrinsically understand what it is and how to do it and why they'd want to do it when they find product market fit. And so Coinbase was built when fungible tokens found product market fit with the broad consumer base as speculating on currencies. And all of a sudden, it was clear the way we should talk about things. It was clear that those should be custodied by some centralized provider for simplicity. Um, you were buying a currency, you buy, sell, there's an order book. Like people understand those metaphors really well. And so buying and selling cryptocurrencies found product market fit. There's very little inside of NFTs today that has that level of product market fit. And so we're still at the phase of building tools that wrap the underlying technology and expose way too much of that underlying technology to help people kind of build on top of it. And, and people have learned to take advantage of that in buying and selling pictures on a marketplace like OpenSea. What I think will most accelerate um, that kind of maturity and that fit is people building products that actually do things users care about in a way that they can understand what they're trying to do I think DeFi is a great place for some of this to come out of where people understand the idea of savings. People understand the idea of yield. Um, mm. And I think people are probably going to build some products over there that help with that. I think ticketing will do the same things for NFTs. People understand yeah. the idea of a ticket, of having it, of transferring it, of selling it. And I think those metaphors will give you kind of a lot of 
understanding surface area to share with users. People don't really know where to put their like fancy art collection they'd never thought about having before on some kind of digital blockchain, where to like file that away. And so I, I think you're kind of constantly lost grasping for metaphors. Um, I think people will build better metaphors for that as well, though. Okay. Um, so Chris, when you talk about product market fit, I think this is a nice time to, to bring up the floor app, which is your baby that you're working on. Like, look, I've got to be honest with you. I think I messaged you like a couple of months ago now. I was like, I really want to test your app. How do I, how do I figure it out? And I've got to be honest with you. The minute you gave me access to that app, right. I am able to feel in so much more control. I've able to probably open 10 left tabs on my computer screen for every project that I'm involved in, right? It's really has helped me just to just to not feel so much of the chaos. You know, if I'm into one project, I don't have to open one tab. If I'm, you know, that NFT that I bought six months ago, I don't have to dig for that link or wherever I got it from. And also shout out to your team, Christine as well, who got back to me so quickly whenever I need help on the Floor app. So Amazing. for our viewers, you know, what exactly, who have never used or ever heard of your app, what does your app do and how does it help us make sense of all the chaos in, in the sort of commercial world of buying NFTs? Yeah, so firstly, thank you for the incredibly kind words. Uh, <laughs> I think Floor exists to literally give people that feeling. Um, so Floor came out of my personal journey of just feeling lost in NFTs. I work in the technology industry, finance industry, crypto industry, and I still felt super lost and had no idea what my assets were doing, how much they were worth. And so we wanted to start off by solving a simple problem, which is what do I have and how much is it worth? And that was kind of how the product started. And since it's expanded quite a lot from there, which is how do I orient inside of this broader NFT world? What's happening right now? What should I be thinking about? What are people who hold the assets that I hold also doing? Um, you know, what's the recent news for these projects? Like there's a, a lot of stuff that's come out of there. And eventually we'd like for a floor NFT to be your first NFT and be able to hold your hand through that whole process of figuring out what your metaverse representation might be and what communities you want to join based on values that are token gated, things like that. But the thing that we kind of find people keep coming back for is feeling connected to your NFTs and just coming back and checking on them, whether that's financially, like, am I up or am I down? Whether that's mm. honestly just browsing around and looking at them and seeing what those you, projects are doing. You know, I've got to be honest with you, Chris, I wouldn't choose it as my first NFT because I, I've always, if you enter the world of NFTs, right, you want to pick something that you relate to the most. So, but that's not to say you should ignore um, the token uh, access that some of these NFT projects are offering to you. And I think that is obviously my awful week of letting go of my uh, RV NFT. That's what you have to understand. And when you land in the community, that really helps you you know, navigate the space. Truly, I, I mean, all kudos to you, really. I, I used it, I tested it, and I liked it. It was just a really great user experience. And that is something I know the whole industry itself is uh, trying to iron out. So, Chris, you are a holder of a Doodles. Um, and then, you know, yeah. so I'd love to hear, yeah, a proud owner of Doodles. I'd love to hear a couple of your favorites. I know you mentioned the one that you caught at Christie's, but these things sound expensive. So projects that are not in your regular top 20, give me some alpha on this show. No Doodles, sensible entry point. What are you looking at? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, this is kind of the thing that we want to start helping people with as they come into the world, um, finding things that are in a reasonable price point that they can see themselves in and that they can think like, 
you know, this is something that I want to put out there in the world and, and have be a part of the representation of me. I'm a very kind of happy guy and I prefer things that are happy. And so um, I like too. collections like Robotos, I think are like super fun and lighthearted, pretty affordable entry point. I think they're at like 0.2, 0.3 ETH. So two, three, 400 okay. bucks, uh, okay. which is a lot cheaper than most things out there. Uh, and then there's some like really, uh, really inexpensive stuff that's not very well known that I just find super fun. Uh, like there's a collection called Hot Dogs, uh, which I think I have like a hundred of. And they're just like different character representations of <laughs> hot dogs. And they just make me laugh and smile. Oh. And so I have them. Um, Who another... doesn't love a good hot dog, right? Right. It's just like a kind of fun cartoon of a hot dog doing like various things. Um, You're going to have to send me the link afterwards, Chris. <laughs> you definitely should get uh, a hot dog. And then I'm trying to think like some other old school things. So there was a collection called Ahoy Boys which uh, actually minted originally like all the way back in, I want to say it was like 2019, maybe like really, really old, didn't yeah. mint out and then finally minted out this year. Uh, and everyone's been having a lot of fun with them. It's a really small collection of like 500, but I think they're still pretty cheap, like 0.1, 0.2 ETH. And they're just like kind of bad drawings of pirates, but they oh, just snap. make me laugh. Oh snap! Hashtag Gary V. Here we go. That kind of vibes. Look, I've just opened the Robotos page. Good price. Floor price is not point one six. All right, I'm going to push you a little bit further. What about the ever growing dominance of of the just a few projects, right? Because you have your your apes and you know just the ones that people recognize. Is this inevitable, or could we see this trend change? It's the world of NFTs, man. Yeah, I, I do think there will be a set, like people call them blue chips of NFTs, which will stick around. We will decide to use this kind of like a proxy hold of value. Because like, if you think about what a lot of people do financially right now, uh, they bridge and kind of arbitrage between ETH and NFTs. And as like ETH goes up, they'll like either move in or out of NFTs, depending on how they think about it. And so like collections like that have two purposes. Number one is prestige as a PFP. Like, oh, look at me. I have my board ape as my PFP. And like, mm. that's why I liked doodles as like a slightly mm. lower price point. Like I don't use any of my kind of really, really high-end assets as it. It just kind of feels a bit off to me to like use mm. a $250,000 asset like my PFP. Um, so I, I do think they'll endure um, because a lot of people will use them as stable money inside of the world of NFTs. Um, and then a lot of people will also want that kind of representation. I think as Doodles, for example, creates their 1 million plus item collection, the cultural wow. relevance of Doodles will increase such that the Doodles Genesis collection will probably become a really, really valuable asset because, you know, essentially... You know, own the memes of production a lot of buying nfts is just owning the meme it's owning a piece of culture and if doodles is successful at becoming way more culturally relevant the genesis collection becomes kind of the 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 ownership representation of that meme Look, I, I like hearing that, Chris. We talked about the projects that we can probably study and get in on. And then, you know, we are visionaries here at Real Vision. Talking about the financialization of NFTs is definitely what we love to discuss um, every day in our pro discord. So, Chris, how does a builder like yourself build amongst the noise? Let me ask you this. Yeah, like it's actually building in public is really fun. Um, I feel very, very fortunate as kind of a mixture of engineering and product guy. 
to have a community of 8,000 people inside of our Discord who we build with every single day. They give us feedback. Fun. Um, I think that part is super fun. I think it's when you go out to the broader world that, you know, there's always someone trying to, you have to remember, like, we're building in a space that is financialized and these assets have value. And so the first time someone tried to like con me out of a gen three floor token, I was so sad, but on the, on the other hand, like we control this asset that is what 500 to a thousand dollars at the time apart. And so like for someone on the internet to be able to like, just send a DM and get a thousand bucks, that's like a, a really large opportunity for some people. And so it, it definitely is, you have to wear your armor a little bit out in the space because you know, every single day yeah. people are trying to scam floor holders um, or scam us themselves. That said, from like a project to project standpoint, I found the ecosystem to be really friendly and supportive. Um, like we are on a first name basis with the creators of kind of almost every project and almost mm-hmm. every um, meaningful product that's in the space and yeah, it's good people. Look, Chris, I believe, you know, um, I, you're someone that I've been watching for a couple of months now. And obviously with the RV community as well, we thrive on seeing people build and we thrive on people doing well. So, of course, um, you know, I know some heavy engagement users now community. If you were to distribute uh, a, a floor price, uh, a floor token NFT one day, we will make sure that you get the relevant feedback and, and use of the proper use case of a, a floor token, which is just, yeah, everyone should be trying it out um, at least. All right, um, so a tough environment to build within keeping the community. Oh, sorry, I'm reading like my own notes. I was so into the conversation, I forgot I was going back to my notes. So look, it's a tough environment to build within keeping within the community. Um, Wait, let me start again. How do you keep the community engaged and investors happy? And when I say mass adoption of NFTs, what does that mean to you, Chris? Yeah, so there's always this constant kind of balancing of stuff that's good for growth for Floor, stuff that's good for our token holders, stuff that's good for our venture investors, because we have both token holders and we raised $8 million in venture capital. And the the important thing is just making sure that you build an incentive system that kind of aligns all those things together. And there'll always be moments you have to make trade-offs. And ultimately, as long as the basic fundamentals are there, growth of floor will be good for all people. Um, you know, For our Genesis token holders, even if on any particular day, something we do doesn't positively impact the floor price of the token, long-term, if we're successful at building a thing that millions of people use to onboard to Web3, like their Genesis tokens are going to be more valuable. That's going to be mm. long-term good for them. Similarly for uh, investors as equity holders, things that we do that improve our perception inside of the environment, potentially like the increase of the value of the floor price improves our market position, which improves our ability to go and deliver equity returns. So I think from that perspective, uh, things are generally pretty good. I think that, you know, token gated products are interesting. I don't, I think the way that we built it made sense for what we did and when we did it. Scaling I think that's where heavily, is hard. I, I actually think that's where we're heavily going into actually so but sorry you were saying about scaling yeah it's 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 really easy to get going and as long as you build something people care about it gives you this incredible built-in community uh it's like a launching pad for all of the other stuff that you need with that community and i think it can help you scale both financially and user base uh attention wise to a point um 
tokenomics are hard. I think is everyone can acknowledge that. And there's also a certain gravity that's pulling it down. And you need to constantly like even Moonbirds and Doodles, you see this happening to them right now. As prices go up, expectations go up. Those expectations become very, very, very hard to hit. And so like, honestly, Moonbirds or Doodles right now could basically announce anything. And I'm pretty sure it would be floor price flat because everyone's like expectations are so high for what they do yeah. next. Yeah, We're lucky in that we kind of exist a little bit lower in the price spectrum. So I think less of that hits us. Um, but there is a certain gravity to success that means the more successful you get the more valuable the asset becomes the higher the expectations are and the harder it is to continue to deliver on those expectations and i think that's one of the things that we need to figure out as we think about scaling token models um, mm. and something that we're very actively working on oh that's great. That's great. Really good, um, wholesome conversation, Chris. Um, and of course, just a gentle reminder that none of this is financial advice. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder all right um i'm going to bring i'm going to bring paul back in remember paul paul are you there <laughs> i'm here i'm here can you hear me copy one two are you there Copy, copy. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much, Elaine and Chris. That was a great, great conversation, guys. So uh, now my job is to give you guys who are watching this some key takeaways from this. So uh, we'll see how I do. Okay. So they talked about the evolution of the NFT industry during the last cycle and what it seems slow nowadays and where it's all headed from this crypto winter and on. So what really stood out for me was three main themes, which I'll break down for you guys here. So the first one is that uh, are NFTs worthless and dead? Second thing I think was really important here is that has the industry matured? Will only a few projects dominate the space? And lastly, mass adoption. Is it really happening? So let's go from the first one. Are NFTs worthless and dead? So a correction was needed. So it's a natural pullback. That's very healthy sometimes in an economy. And Digital ownership is more important than ever as new use cases evolve, according to Chris. And actually, he said something really interesting here that Gary Vee, he said back in the day, he's very famous for this. He said that 99% of NFTs will go to zero, and he doesn't agree with it necessarily. So that's really interesting. Also, he pointed out that generational wealth items are pretty much NFTs. There's a bunch of them throwing, being around in the space, and they will, will grow as the cultural relevance increases at the same time. And also, a set of blue chip of NFTs will always stick around because of prestige and a staple of money. And as he said, also, you can own a piece of culture. That's very, very interesting. The second theme about the industry maturing, or if only a few projects will dominate the space, well, 
Aquí, here, Chris pointed that 99% might fade away and that actually bear markets test projects for a survival of the fittest. And projects that will win in the long run are actually the ones that have a strong community that stick around. You know that the name in the game of NFTs is actually community. It might be a very trite concept that everyone throws around, but it actually, it really works for NFTs and for the space. So community, a strong community, you stay the longer. And it actually will be a smaller space than it was before. Before. Why? Well, because before it was a very hot space due to the ability to print infinite money. And aren't we all paying all the consequences of all, all that prints are happening? So we have crazy inflation nowadays. So, of course, also demand has decreased in terms of the NFT and risk assets or crypto or so on. And also, we'll actually see new compelling use cases like the proof of ownership, which is actually a staple of NFTs, and also the interoperable tradability. And also, NFTs are still at a building phase with tools to help users and that actually they care about. This is very important because some people might still think or see NFTs as just JPEGs or art or this, but once some new tools with tech are around it, people will start paying more attention because they're attached to things they care about. One example, ticketing, all the ticket master things we heard about NFTs. Once ticketing starts hitting NFTs, it might do for the NFT space what Yield did for De DeFi. And finally, mass adoption. Is it really happening? Well, the important thing to consider here is that we are still in a building incentive system. We're still building the NFT space. It's still growing. It still is maturing. It's new. It's very fresh. And the idea of a token-gated product can help scale it. So. <clears throat> Sorry about my throat. Scaling is something that is going on and it will keep happening into this space. All right. So actually I have some uh, interesting quote here from Chris. And the thing that we can find people coming back for is feeling connected to your NFTs. Here we go again here to connection, to feeling part of, to feel that is attached to some emotion to you. And this is something, for example, in my case, um, I, I hold some SVS, some vampire NFTs. Why? Because as a kid, I love the vampire stories, the vampire books, the vampire video games, all, all related to vampires. I love it. So it's all like the Gary Vee thing. He goes to the nostalgia. He loves Uno. He loves Toys us trading cards so always emotion is very important for nft so thank you for that uh, great quote chris and well as i said before this was a great conversation thank you both and let me just add a correction regarding our price action segment actually the current market cap of ethereum is around 163 billion dollars all right and now let's head over to twitter web3 wednesday is on hosted by our own very vijan and our RV community manager and the real vision bot. So that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much. Don't forget to subscribe to RV Crypto. It's for free. And you're on YouTube, smash the like button, drop some comments. And tomorrow for the show, we have Imram Laka for you with the best and the latest technical analysis with everything crypto. And before we go, we just want to flag something here at Real Vision. There are some changes happening. We are refreshing the bread and butter of RV, the essential tier. We're launching multiple new shows like Make or Break. We got the message. Three ideas. Deck collectors for all of you guys who like to collect stuff. And all of this is at a reduced price of only $99 a year. If you really think about it, that's more affordable than a craft beer a month. So if you're investing in your future through financial education, $99 a year sounds like a super deal. So go to realvision.com forward slash get essential to sign up and we'll leave you with a snippet of the new offering. See you tomorrow at noon ET. That's 9 a.m. on the West Coast for 
Shiraz in LA and all the West Coast, 5 p.m. London and midnight in Hong Kong. Here live at the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Stay safe, guys. The Sri Lankan Prime Minister's house set alight. The first is authoritarianism. The second is corruption. The FOMC is strongly resolved to bring inflation down to 2%. Home builders are abandoning homes. Massive protests going on here. We're going to see a material impact here on growth and indeed on earnings, which my colleague... Change is happening and you can fear it. But you're not going to stop it. There are really only two countries in Europe that have managed to maintain a replacement level birth rate, France and Sweden. This is the biggest bubble in the history of the world, and you have no clue. It's all herd mentality. It's the same as the property market. What happens over the next few months could define what happens over the next few years. So we want to make sure that you understand why. You've probably realized that we really have been listening to you. 